Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, praise the Lord. Here we are for another great Wednesday night, United, and we are believing God for some wonderful things in your life. We're believing God that the Word of God is going to impact our spirits and produce in us the results that the Word promises us. Uh, We want to go tonight to the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, and I want to begin, I believe it will uh, perhaps turn into a series, we'll see uh, this subject of harden not your heart, harden not your heart. And uh, there's some things the Lord's been showing me that I've been seeing, and I believe that with the help of the Holy Spirit, we'll get them across to you uh, in the Scriptures. And in Hebrews chapter 3, and we want to begin here in uh, verse 7, and the writer of Hebrews says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear His voice, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works 40 years. It means they put me on trial for 40 years. Then he says, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said they always err in their heart and they've not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath they would not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren. Now this is important because that word take heed, pay attention. All right, he's saying look at this. And notice he uses the word brethren. So he's not writing to unsaved people. He's writing to believers. All right, writing to Christians. And he says, take heed, pay attention, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? To whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? Now, we're going to focus on this in just a moment. But the Wuss Bible says, to them who were non-persuasible. They were non-persuasible. They could not be persuaded. All right? Verse 19 says, so we see then that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now, I know that's quite a few verses that we've read there. uh, What, nine or ten. But I want you to see something very quickly. 
He says, beginning in verse 8, harden not your hearts. And notice as we go through these verses, how many times he uses the word heart. Harden not your hearts. Verse 10, they err in their hearts. Uh, Verse 12, an evil heart of unbelief. Uh, So again and again we see this word heart. And what we see again and again also is this hardening of the heart. And that what it leads to is unbelief. All right? Uh, Unbelief is more than just doubt. Unbelief is an unwillingness to believe. And so the writer of Hebrews writes here and he says, don't harden your hearts as in the provocation when they were being, when they uh, went through the temptation in the wilderness, when they tempted God in the wilderness. Now I've been doing a lot of study on this provocation, on this time when the children of Israel were in the wilderness. And you would do yourself a favor at some point to read through Exodus and Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and maybe read them all in, in succession, because what you see is you begin to get a full panoramic view of what went on. And uh, very often we look at Numbers chapter 13 as evidence of this, and it is. Uh, but if you look over here very quickly in the book of Deuteronomy and uh, chapter 1, we see something because he says, don't harden your heart like they did. And uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1 and uh, verse 23. And the saying pleased me, well, Moses is recounting this. And I took 12 men of you, one of a tribe, and they turned and went up in the mountain and came into the valley of Eshcol and searched it out. And they took of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down unto us and brought us word again and said, It is a good land which the Lord our God does give us. Notwithstanding, notice what he said, you would not go up. Now notice that. This is important because there's a difference between would not and could not, right? The word would means to be willing, to consent, to yield, or to desire. Now, if you would have asked these people, do you desire the promised land? They would have said, of course. But yet when they were presented with the prospect of going into all that God wanted them to go into, Moses said, you would not go. In other words, you would not be willing. You wouldn't yield to what God said. Understand this. In everything that you do by faith, there's going to be any number of reasons why you can't. Anything that you do by faith. Anything that God is moving you into, there's going to be any number of natural reasons why you cannot do it. What your job is as the believer is to not harden your heart against what God told you and keep believing you can. All right? Because he said you would not go up but rebelled 
against the commandment of the Lord your God. Notice what he said. So they're not just missing something. They're rebelling against what God said. When you read something in the Word of God, you see something in the Word of God that is God's will, and you do not believe it or you won't believe it, you're rebelling against what God said. All right? And he went on and he said, And you murmured in your tents, and, you, and notice the things they said, Because God hated us, He brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. And they went through this whole list. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our heart. They caused our heart to melt. The people's greater and taller than we are. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we've seen the sons of the Anakims there. Now notice that. So these are the excuses for not going up. But the reason is they wouldn't believe God. They hardened their hearts. Remember this, and it may seem elementary, but remember this. God never said there wouldn't be enemies. He never told them the cities were not going to be walled. He never said that the enemies were not going to be tall or big or strong or whatever they were. He said, I need you to believe me. And I will go before you and I'll drive the enemies out from in front of you. All I need you to do is come and possess the land that I've given you. Just believe that I will do what I said I would do. Right? It's at that moment that I've got an opportunity or a choice. Am I going to harden my heart or am I going to believe God? All right? To, To harden your heart is to be obstinate or to be unwilling. Or a real good definition is stubborn. Just to be stubborn against what God said. All right? And he goes on and he says, Then I said to you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. For the Lord your God that goes before you, He will fight for you according to that all He did for you in Egypt in your, before your eyes. In the wilderness where you've seen how the Lord your God bear you as a man, as a man doth bear his son in all the way that you went until you came into this place. Yet, notice this, in this thing, what thing? Going into the promised land. In this thing, you did not believe the Lord your God. Now that's that's powerful to me. And I'll tell you why. Because did not, again, is a choice. You did not believe. You saw how He bare you through the wilderness... You saw the manna, you saw that your shoes didn't wear out, your garments didn't wax old, you saw the water out of the rock, you saw God defeat enemies, you saw the quail flying one foot high off the ground, you saw all of these things, and when it came time to enter into rest, and it came time to enter into what God had promised you, you would not go up and did not believe. That's powerful. It's very telling. Because remember this, that the scripture that we read in Hebrews 3, it says, who did he swear that would not enter into, here's the word, his rest? 
the promised land to the Israelite at this time represented rest. Egypt represented slavery and bondage and excessive labor. The promised land represented rest. Because God said, it's not a land like you came out of. A land where you got to work to water your crops. A land where you've got to work to do this and work to do that. He said, it's a land that drinks in the water of heaven. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's a, it's a land of rivers and streams and brooks. God was constantly telling them how much rest they were going to have in the land they were going into. All right? So the promised land represented rest to them. In the New Testament, what represents the, the, the promised land was a shadow of redemption, a shadow of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Listen, what was hard on people was when they were living in sin. That's what was hard. That's what was, that, that is what was a hard old way. When you got born again, you entered into rest. Or should have. All right? <coughs> But here's the thing, it has to be believed. I can't harden my heart against it. I was talking to a minister one time, and there was a, 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 another minister that was talking to them, and they disagreed with some of the, the, if you want to call it, word of faith theology. And they just couldn't believe that, you know, you could give in an offering and God would meet your needs or, or that you could use your faith to get healed. And the man told this minister, they said, uh, uh, well, you know, there's not one scripture in the Bible that says faith will heal you. And uh, this minister is very knowledgeable. And they made the statement. They said, well, what do you do with the scripture with the woman with the issue of blood where Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you whole. What about all the scriptures that people came to Jesus and Jesus said, as you have believed, be it unto you. Now, why is that important? Because to say, make a statement like that, your heart is hardened against what God said. Amen. Entering into rest, according to Hebrews, means I can't harden my heart against the things of God. Always understand that the Bible equates hardness of heart with unbelief in the Word. All right? Because what they were unbelieving, what they were not believing was the Word. And Moses said, in this thing you did not believe the Lord your God. Now, if we go back over to Hebrews 3, we'll look at a few more verses, but I want to go back over here just for a moment. And uh, he says, we read this verse earlier, verse 18, to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And I said earlier, the Woos Bible says they were non-persuasible. They would not be persuaded. Whatever you hear from the Word, you have to choose to be persuaded by it. I have to choose 
to make this truth. Very early on in our, in our, in our life in the Word, Pastor Michelle and I made the decision because we, we heard a man say that we have great respect for. He made the statement, he said, we decided that if we saw it in the Word, that's how it was. And we made that decision very early on. If we see it in the Word, that's how it is. In other words, we're going to be easily persuaded by the Word. If I see it in the Word, that's how it is. And I'm going to be easily persuaded by this. All right? And so notice in verse 19, he said, So then we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now notice this. He uses that word could again that we talked about before. Now, the people in Deuteronomy said they could not go up when they could have. All they had to do was believe. So he says here, they could not enter in because of unbelief. Unbelief makes it impossible to enter into the things that God made a way for you to enter into. You just can't. Why? Because I'm not persuaded by the Word. It's so important. Why is this so important? Notice Romans 10. Romans 10. And... uh, Verse 17, it reads, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So notice how faith comes. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Now, why is it so important to be easily persuaded by the Word? Because that's how faith comes. And when you're not easily persuaded by the Word, You're making it hard for faith to come. All right? I got to be careful how I'm hearing in in whatever area. Uh, People can come to church and they can be sitting in the sanctuary, sitting in the service, and, and maybe the pastor will say something or talk about a point or go to a certain scripture. And if you're not careful, especially when you become sort of versed in what the Word of God's saying, if you're not careful, if it's something you've heard or something that you, you, you know, has been ministered on before, you'll check out mentally and you'll stop hearing. And the moment you stopped hearing, faith stopped coming. The moment you stop hearing, faith stopped coming. Whatever faith is in what the Word says, I need in my heart because I don't know what I'm going to have to use it on. So to be easily persuaded by the Word, I want to be hearing the Word. I want to be listening to the Word. Over and over again, we see that in the Scripture. So faith comes... By hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Now notice something else here. Romans 10, verse 9. If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart 
that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So notice where faith is. Faith is of the heart. Where do I believe out of? My heart. Deuteronomy 1, Hebrews chapter 3, says the reason that those people could not enter in was because they had a hard heart and they were unbelieving. Faith is of the heart. And when I harden my heart towards the things of the Word, what it does is this. It stops faith from coming. And so... In Mark 11, I want you to see this. Mark chapter 11. Notice what Jesus said. Verse 23. For truly I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe those things that he saith shall come to pass, he will have whatsoever he says. So notice, he says, don't doubt in your heart, and we could say without hurting the scripture, but shall believe in his heart. Faith in Romans 10 is not in a different place in Mark 11. If I have to believe in my heart in Romans 10, I've got to believe in my heart in Mark 11. So people will say, well, well, you know, you say that you can have what you say, or that's what you all preach, but yet I said something and I didn't get it, or I don't believe that exactly. Because I hardened my heart. Remember being easily persuaded by the word? Jesus said you'd have what you say. Be easily persuaded by that. I'll have what I say. Period. I'll have what I say. I'm not going to harden my heart against that. I'm not going to harden my heart against what the word of God says. Why? Because that makes it impossible for me to enter into rest. I have a part to play in this. I have to believe. I have to speak. I have to declare. I have to guard against the hardening of the heart. I've got to guard against unbelief that tries to come into my life. I've got to be on guard against that. In, 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 in whatever uh, uh, aspect that you may be talking about, whether it's unbelief that tries to come from family or unbelief that tries to come from relationships or something that you watched or something that you heard. Understand that the object of that report is to harden your heart against what God said. It's interesting that in Deuteronomy 1, it says that the people said, our brethren did cause our hearts to melt. Notice where those words affected them. In their heart. In their heart. So the things that we hear, the things that we see, the things that we give our attention to are either going to be those things that are building our faith and strengthening our heart or weakening our faith and hardening our heart. Hallelujah. 
And so Jesus said that if I believe from the heart, the things that I say will come to pass. I'll have whatever I say. Hallelujah. So every day you're getting up and you're easily persuaded by the word. What did the word say? What does the word say about that situation? Amen. Yeah, but they're saying this and they're saying that. Yeah, but the word says in my pathway is life and there is no death. Yeah, but that, somebody said this and they're talking about layoffs. Yeah, but the word says uh, uh, there is no lack. Because my God supplies all of my need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now those are elementary and those are simple, but what are you doing? You're proving that you're easily persuaded by the Word. What the Word said is what I believe. That's going to that's gonna get you into that place of rest. You know, there's an old saying that... Uh, if you're walking down the road and you see a turtle on a fence post, what do you know? Didn't get there by himself. He had some help. It's important. Why? When you see somebody that's not moved by what they see and not moved by what they hear and not moved by what they feel, that didn't just happen. They did something to get there. They were easily persuaded by the word. If you get to this place, notice over here in the book of James, when you get to this place, James chapter 1, It says, if any of, verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. If you went to get to that place where there's no wavering, there's no shifting. There's, there's no being a person of two minds. To get to that place, we say this, but understand what I mean. The Word of God is not just the final authority. The Word of God is the authority, period, in my life. I'll hear people say, well, the Word's the final authority. The Word's the only authority. It's what the Word says. To say it's the final authority means I'm giving attention to everything else and eventually coming back to the Word. What has your attention has to be the Word all the time. That's the defense against something contrary to the Word. So James said when you ask for wisdom or anything else, you ask in faith. Well, if you're asking in faith, you're asking with the understanding and the revelation that Jesus said that when you ask in faith, you believed you received then. So James says if you ask for wisdom, you ask in faith, and you go away from that asking, believing I have received it when I asked for it. Amen. Ever what that is. 
See, you're easily persuaded by the Word. The Word said, ask and I would receive. So I have received. Well, yeah, but I don't see it. It doesn't matter. I've received it. Listen, I can tell you, standing right here tonight, I could tell you, yeah, uh, Amazon came to my house yesterday and brought me a package or UPS or whoever, and they brought me a package, and I have, uh, uh, I, I received a brand new 75-inch uh, te- television. And you can say, well, I don't believe that. Doesn't matter. I've, I have received. I have received. See, faith, a person of faith does not say, I ask in faith and I'm going to receive. I have received when I ask. Notice what it says. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Now the context there is it'll be given to him when he asks. But remember, I'm asking in faith. Faith sees everything God promised as finished and delivered to me. It's there. It's at my disposal. It's accessible. I've got to be easily persuaded about that. No, I have received that in Jesus' name. So faith is not, I've asked, and it shall happen at some point. Faith is, I have asked, I have received. Right? Because Mark eleven twenty five 25 says, Therefore I say unto you, that whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive and you'll have. Hallelujah. So the have, believe you receive, I believe, I receive, I take it, I have it now, all right? And you will have. I will have the physical manifestation of that. When? When I am easily persuaded and I believe I receive it now. Well, what if it takes a day? Then you're just having what the scripture said. But you believe you receive it now. It's done. It's finished. I have it. It's mine. I took it. I have it right now. I have my healing right now. I have my victory financially right now. I have my family saved right now. I have victory in this area right now. I have it. It's mine. I have taken it. It's mine. Amen. Easily persuaded by the word. And notice what he says. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Nothing, that's important, wavering. No thing. In other words, wavering in no thing. Not vacillating in anything. Well, well, what? Anything what? No thing what? In nothing you ask, anything that you ask, don't waver. Don't vacillate. I'm easily persuaded by the word. Do you see this? Because it says, the one that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Don't let that man think he'll receive anything of the Lord. Now, a very elementary way of saying this is that this man believes one day, well, yes, there it is. Bless God, I believe I receive it. And then two days later, well, I don't know what happened. It must not be God's will. One day he's here, one day he's here, one day he's here, one day he's here. That's not being easily persuaded by the word. Faith is constant. Faith is not, 
Lord, help me say this right. Faith is not uh, up one day and down the next. Faith is constant. The most constant people you will see are people of faith. They are constantly joyful, constantly peaceful, constantly confident, constantly walking in the Word. Why? Because faith is not extreme. Faith is constant. Every day, faith is the same. Faith works the same every day. Because I'm getting up and I'm operating the principles of faith. That's why the principles of faith never change. How faith comes never changes. How faith goes never changes. How faith grows never changes. The things that affect faith never change. Because faith is always the same. And so if I'm hearing the word, faith is coming. Faith is in my heart. So my job is work on my heart. Be easily persuaded by the word. Not be moved. That's, that's what, thank you, Holy Spirit. That's why you got to watch the questions. Questions harden your heart. Well, I knew so-and-so, and they didn't get healed. Or I knew so-and-so, and this didn't happen for them. And I knew so-and-so, and that didn't happen. Meditating on those questions will harden your heart against what God said. Remember what Paul said? He said, so what if some did not believe? Will the unbelief of some make the word of God without effect? God forbid. That's what he said. God forbid. In other words, the only thing that can make the word of God without effect in your life is unbelief. That's it. That's the only thing that can make the Word of God without effect. And he said, so what if they didn't believe? Now, that's not a hard statement. I cannot account for why everybody's not healed. There are reasons, a multitude of reasons. But here's the one reason I know it's not. It's never God. Now, people will say, how can you believe that? I'm easily persuaded by the Word. And it says only good and perfect gifts come from Him. It says God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. It says God is love, and I know there's things love won't do. Love will not make you sick. Love will not bring poverty into your life. Love will not destroy you. Love will not cooperate with the curse of the devil. So God can't be involved in that. Now, I'm easily persuaded by that. Hallelujah. So, if you start thinking on the question, it hardens your heart. Well, you know, I've been thinking about this. And I've seen three people that didn't get their miracle. Your heart's getting hard. Amen. I learned something years ago. When something happens that I don't understand, I go to the Lord and I say, Lord, now I don't understand this. But here's what I know. You are good. You are the healer. You are the provider. Whatever the situation may be, you are good. That settles the issue. 
easily persuaded. So if you start questioning the length of time, when really you should be saying, what can I do to speed this up? Not why is it taking so long. What, what's my part here? Think about this. We talk about the children of Israel roaming in the wilderness 40 years. They griped and complained about roaming in the wilderness, and I never see one place where they ask, what can we do to end this? God would have told them. Well, why is it taking so long? That's the wrong question. The question should be, Lord, what can I do to speed this up? Where am I slowing things down? Hallelujah. Notice something in uh, Matthew 13. Well, I just, I wish the Lord would hurry up and do that. Think about this for a moment. We talk about the finished work and that redemption is a finished work. The things that God has given us are finished. They've already been given to us then how can we really in reality say, well, I hope the Lord hurries and does this? When out of the same mouth we'll say, God's done all He's going to do. Now that may sound like, you know, a, a, just a, uh, 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 well, Pastor, you know, that's just, that's just, you know, terms, and I mean, that's just, no. Think about it. I know there are things that, that God's doing in my life that are being manifest, but I also know the reason why it's able for them to be manifest is they're already done. Right? God doesn't have to do something in the terms of, of, of making it happen. It's already done. He's already done it. My faith accesses what He has already completed and brings it into the realm where I can see it, feel it, experience it. In uh, Matthew 13 and 15, Jesus is speaking of the people that didn't believe. And notice, he said, For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their ears, or see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Notice, he said, this people's heart is waxed gross. Wax. In other words, there's a buildup there. There has been a buildup of unbelief on their heart. All right? And notice, the heart affects the ears. Their ears are dull of hearing. And then the heart and the ears affect the eyes. Their eyes they have closed. Now to me that's very important. Because I have an option as to whether or not my heart gets that build up on it. How do I fight that? Easily persuaded by the Word. That's what the Word says. That's what I believe. 
Every time a situation comes up, your answer is, what does the word say? What does the word say? When somebody says, what are we going to do about this? What's the word say? Well, what if they do this? What are we going to do? What's the word say? Well, the doctor said this. What do you think? What does the word say? Now, that's repetitive, and it seems elementary. But you've got to learn to answer those questions with that. What does the word say? Because that's what I'm going to believe. That's what I'm going to take my stand on is what does the word say? But they're saying this. Well, remember, what if some did not believe? We could say it this way. What if some say that? What does the word say? What if some say nothing's going to get any better? What's the word say? Pathway of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. What does the word say? I got a letter today from uh, uh, a member of the ministry, Christmas card, and they had written a two-page letter. It was just a, a real blessing. And uh, they were talking about the different things they've learned in the church. And, and they said, for their household, they said, this has been the best year we've ever had financially. She said they were talking about layoffs, in, uh, in, uh, on our job. Huh. And they talked about it, I believe she said, in July and, and August and even into September. She said, not only were there no layoffs, now they're telling us we're going to get bonuses. Hallelujah. Now, how's that happen? Could one person's faith really affect that whole company? Yes. A thousand times yes. Why? Because God, God will bless the environment of the just. He'll bless the environment of the righteous. The Bible says by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. I want to really, really encourage you. Don't buy into all of what's going on being talked about in the world. Don't buy in to all of this. Oh, the, this it's all going to fall apart. Everything's going to fall apart. There is so much we've got to do in the world as believers before the, second, before the rapture of the church and the return of Christ. There's so much to be done. We might be in the season, but God's Word still works. God's Word's still producing. Got to be easily persuaded by the word. Hallelujah. In uh, Acts 28. Whew. This is when uh, Paul was in his own hired house in Rome. And it says in verse 24 that the, the, the Jewish people were coming to him. He was teaching them. Verse 24 says, some believed the things which were spoken and some believed not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word. Well, spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, go unto this people and say, hearing you will hear and not understand. Seeing you shall see and not perceive, for the heart of this people is waxed gross. 
and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, be converted, and I will heal them. Now this is important because notice, they allowed their heart to wax gross, they allowed their ears to be dull of hearing, they closed their eyes, they did that. You can allow yourself to become dull of hearing to the word. Amen. I remember one time I was uh, at my, uh, would be my uh, second oldest daughter, middle daughter. And uh, I had coached her basketball team, uh, junior high basketball team. And we were at the banquet. You call it a banquet, a dinner that we were having uh, for the team. And I was leaning against the wall uh, talking with some people. And one of the fathers came up and uh, he was a, a, a member of a church. I, he had some position. I forget what, what it was. They called him an elder or whatever they called him. And, uh, and uh, he asked me, he said that he knew I was a pastor. He said, so what have you been preaching on? And uh, I was going through Hebrews chapter 11 then. And uh, I said, well, I, I've been ministering out of Hebrews chapter 11 and, and uh, you know, ministering about uh, uh, faith and the workings of faith. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, that faith stuff. Yep, faith, faith. Well, I knew right away he didn't have any idea what faith was. But he'd heard the word. And what I mean by that, he'd heard the word faith and he thought he knew what faith was. And so when somebody mentioned faith, he translated faith through what his idea of faith was. And what I mean by that is he shut down the truth about faith because of how he interpreted faith. I know people interp that interpret faith as a struggle. If you're in faith, oh, it's a struggle. I know people that interpret faith As just, if I can say it this way, just, you know, as a Bible word that basically just means that you believe. Well, believing is involved in faith, but it's more than that. Faith is being convinced that something's true. Now, I've got to keep my mind open to that because my ears can be dull of hearing. Oh, you know, if pastor just, oh, yeah, 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 what does the word say? Hey, Amen. Huh? What does the word say? See, that's a person whose ears are becoming dull of hearing. Easily persuaded by the word. Glory be to God. So Paul said that they did this by a choice. By a choice. In uh, Mark 16. And uh, 15. Notice this. Jesus had risen from the dead and they had went to him and said, went to the apostles, the disciples, 
and said, we've seen the Lord. And verse 14 says, afterward he appeared unto the eleven. Now let's stop right there. And let's talk about who the eleven was. John, Peter, Bartholomew, Simon, all the ones that you see Jesus coming down and choosing after he had been on the mountain all night praying, that's the eleven. The, the, the eleven original disciples, all of them are there except Judas, who by this time was not in this world. And notice who he's upbraiding and notice what he's upbraiding them for. As they sat at me and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. Why? Because they did not believe them which had seen him after he was risen. So Jesus says that it was not just unbelief, it was also their hardness of heart. The writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 3 that what stopped the children of Israel from going in was first, they hardened their heart, second, they wouldn't believe. So when the disciples heard that Jesus was risen from the dead, it was something He had already told them It was something he had already said. He had said, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be buried. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again. And I'm going to go before you and meet you in Jerusalem. They heard the the women tell that story. They heard the two men on the road to Emmaus. And notice what it says. It says in verse 13, And they went and told unto the residue, or the disciples, and it says they did not believe them. Now, wait a minute. Did not or could not? Did not. It would be the same as saying would not. How is it that the 11 apostles that we have here, that would eventually be called the apostles of the Lamb, that each of them, their names are in the foundation stone of the new city, the new Jerusalem. These are the ones that he's talking about, and it says this is the inner circle. These are the closest to Jesus. These are the men that knew Jesus the best. And it says they came and said he's risen. It's something that he had said. It's something that he had promised. It's something that he had talked to them about over and over again. They had heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it, but yet when somebody came and said the Lord is risen, we've seen him, they didn't believe it. Why? Their hearts were hardened and they didn't believe. Do you see that? They didn't believe. Here's the problem with becoming familiar with something. And when I say familiar, I don't mean knowing it well. I mean, there's a a statement that I heard one time and it said this, familiarity breeds contempt. In other words, it's like, uh, you know, when you had a best friend and you liked hanging out together all the time, but then his parents had to go out of town for two, three, four days a week and they needed to leave him with your family. 
Oh, you were so excited. My best friend, we're going to get to hang out. And oh, we're going to be together a week. Woo! Oh, wow. This is great. About the third day, you're like, when's this guy going home? Right? Because I didn't know he did all these things. I didn't know he did all these annoying things. Whatever they are. Because the more familiar I got with them, there were things I saw that I didn't care about. Amen. When you become familiar with something, and what I mean by that is when you just begin to take it for granted. You just begin to take it as, oh yeah, okay, all right. The disciples had heard. At what point, at what point did they shut down their hearing when Jesus was talking to them about rising from the dead on the third day? At some point, they shut down their hearing. At some point, they quit hearing because faith comes by hearing. At some point, they quit hearing and hardened their heart and entered into unbelief. And when, and, and when at least two different sources came to them and said, He is risen, it says they wouldn't believe. And then Jesus showed up and upbraided them. Because of their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because you didn't believe them which had seen him after he was risen. If someone stands before you, your pastor stands before you and reads something, shows you something from the word of God. And then says, and I've seen this work in my life. Well, you should believe it just because of what the Word says. But if you hear it from the Word and then you hear somebody that you trust that wouldn't lie to you, that has never lied to you, tell you, and if you'll do this, these are the results. Right? you got to harden your heart and refuse to believe if you don't believe it. Amen. You know what I learned a long time ago? If my pastor ever told me something that God did for him and he explained to me how to do it, if I needed the same thing, i go to the Lord and i said, Now, Lord, you did this for Pastor Caldwell. And I know you don't love Pastor Caldwell more than you love me. So I thank you for doing it to me, for me. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Now, let's look at one last scripture. I think one last. We'll see. John chapter 20. Oh, glory. I was sharing uh, yesterday, uh, we uh, had a, uh, a funeral of a, of a, uh, a, a dear saint that we all love so much. And uh, uh, we were over at the home of the family afterwards, and me and some of the gentlemen were standing around, brethren were standing around talking. And uh, somebody made the statement, we were talking about uh, the Word of God and the working of the Word of God, and there's a, a brother there that made this, a statement that really kicked off the discussion. And uh, I'm telling you this because of the story I'm going to tell and he said, you know, he said, I had to learn about these things like unforgiveness and, and these things like uh, 
uh, uh, anger and these different things because they affect your life. They affect you physically. They affect you spiritually. And I said, yeah, I, 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 I know. I said, uh, when I was a boy growing up, my, my parents pastored a church in Clayton, New Mexico. And uh, we, uh, we lived there for uh, uh, a number of years. And uh, it's, it's not on any of the tourist maps or anything. It's just a, a, a small town in the middle of uh, western New Mexico. And in any event, uh, we were there, and there were a couple, uh, two brothers that went to church at the church, and, and both of them were married, and they were both ranchers. And uh, both of them were, they, they, they were nice men. Uh, uh, the one was very affable, and, and his wife was very, very spiritual people. And the others were, were very nice, but uh, maybe not as spiritual. Well, at one time, the two wives had had a falling out. Over well, Lord, help me correct that. At one time, the the one of the wives had gotten something against the other one and refused to forgive. She was very sick, very sick. And uh, one night, I will never forget this. This imprinted my spirit. I'm 13, probably 13, maybe 14, but I think 13. And I'm sitting there in the church, and she walked up to the offering, and as she was coming to bring her offering, my father said something by the Spirit of the Lord. My father was not a very, he was not an in-your-face kind of person. I mean, he, he that, that just wasn't his personality. As He was very affable, very, very jovial, but he said to her by the Spirit of the Lord, he said, Sister, the Lord tells me that if you will forgive your sister-in-law tonight, he'll heal you right now. This imprint in my spirit. I watched that woman say, I'll never forgive her. And walked off sick. She never did get well. She ended up dying. Now, that, understand what I mean why I'm telling you this story. She was presented with an opportunity to believe the word, to be easily persuaded by the word. What did she do? Hardened her heart. Hardened her heart. Now, again, that's not the case with everybody. Everybody that, that, that is battling a sickness or, or even, right, someone that may go to heaven because of something. That's not always the case. But it's, it is the case in some instances. But notice, she had an opportunity to just say, I believe what God said. I forgive in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in the book of John chapter 20, hallelujah, we see something here in verse 24. Jesus had appeared to the disciples one time. And now in verse 24 it says, But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, which was not with them when Jesus came, the other disciples... <laughs> now remember, these are the other disciples that had hardened their heart. 
and not believed. Said unto him, we've seen the Lord. Now I want you to stop for a moment and we're going to read on this verse. But what should his response have been? Oh, praise God. Right? But notice what he said. He said, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. I won't. I won't believe it. Now notice that. Why is that so important? Was he hearing the truth? Was Jesus raised from the dead? Had they seen him? Yes. And he said, I don't care what he said, and I don't care what you're saying. If I don't see and put my hands in the holes, I won't believe. Thomas was not, at this point, easily persuaded by the word. Verse uh, 26 and after eight days again, his disciples were within, Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither your finger, and behold my hands. Reach hither your hand, and thrust it into my side, and do not be faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they which have not seen and yet believe. Now that's not just have not seen him and yet believe, although that's part of it. He's saying this is a principle of faith. The way you get this empowerment to prosper, the way you get the victory is you believe even if you haven't seen. What does that mean? I'm easily persuaded by the word. When they came and told him the Lord was risen, I'll wrap this up with this. They were preaching. They were delivering the word. Thomas didn't believe what he heard. Jesus came in his mercy and showed him his hands, showed him his side. Thomas saw that, felt that, and said, oh, you're my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, well, you believe because you've seen, but you're more blessed if you believe without seeing. Hallelujah. The things that God will do for us are largely dependent upon how quickly we're persuaded by the Word. And so faith begins to operate at an even higher level, an even faster, faster level, level, the quicker I am persuaded. That's what the Word says, I believe it. Yeah, but, you know, what if, and, and, and here's a, a, a relevant question. People will say, well, well, you know, I mean, I can say I believe it, 
but what if I don't believe it? Well, I, I understand what they're saying, but remember what the man said to Jesus? Jesus said uh, to the disciples that had tried to cast that demon out, he said, how long am I going to have to put up with your unbelief? And the man said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. In other, in other words, if there's somewhere I'm missing it, help me. Right? Help me. When you see something in the Word and your response is, I believe that. Well, you may not understand it all. You may need help to understand how it's going to happen, but you can be easily persuaded right now. I'll close with this. Brother Hagin talked about the time that uh, he was broke financially and, and, and he had had to sell his car for junk and was behind and his family wasn't adequately clothed. And he said, I went to the Lord. And I said, Lord, he said, uh, I, 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 he took Isaiah 119 to him. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. He said, I've been willing. I've done what you told me to do. And he said, my children aren't adequately clothed. We don't have what we need. And the Lord said to him, he said, well, yeah, you fulfilled part of that verse, but you don't qualify. He said, why? He said, you haven't done it all. He said, what do you mean? I've, I've done what you asked me to do. He said, yeah, you did it. You were willing or, or you were obedient, but you weren't willingly obedient. Now, here's my point. Brother Hagin said when he explained that to me, he said, I just made an adjustment. He said, don't tell me you can't get willing in a minute, because I did. He said, I repented and got willing. Now, think about this for a moment. Does that mean all of, that, that does not mean that he instantly began to like traveling or he instantly began to like being away from his family. It means he made the decision, I am going to be willingly obedient to what you want me to do. There's going to be challenges, but I'm going to be willing to do it. In a moment of time, in a split second of time, you can choose to believe. I choose to believe. Yeah, but everything's going wrong. I choose to believe. That's it. It's my choice. I'm not going to harden my heart. If I can choose to harden my heart, I can choose to unharden my heart. Oh, God's good to us. God's so good to us. We'll stand up, everybody.